Good evening. Turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, again, we thank you for the privilege of being able to come into your presence and spend time in your precious word. We pray and ask your blessing on this time that your Holy Spirit would take full control and that you would orchestrate the remainder as you have done so far. We pray that you would speak through me and that your purpose would be accomplished as your word goes forth. Thank you for the privilege as was reminded to us of us with regard to our being able to spend time on your word without fear of someone attacking, breaking in, or challenging us with regard to our relationship and our stand for you. And so we thank you for this privilege of being able to enjoy time in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Sorry, Catherine. This evening, I just want to encourage you with something that was an encouragement to me recently as I was um, doing spending time in my devotions. And um, those of you who may uh, know a lot of things have been happening recently. I don't want to elaborate now on that, but I just want to, just want to share with you something that has just stood out. And it lines up with what we have been covering in James chapter 1. If you remember now, we should have finished James. And the last two verses in James speak specifically with regard to pure and undefiled religion. And it talks and it gives a sample of what that speaks to in James chapter 1. This evening I want to share from James, from Romans chapter 12, what I consider to be living Christ in our relationship. We talked about pure religion. I want to talk about true Christianity. What Christianity looks like, but specifically with relation uh, to one another as you relate to our fellow believers, as you relate to those around us. And I want to share with you from uh, Romans chapter 12. Now, Romans 12 is where the practice starts with regard to the theory that Paul discussed in, verse, in chapters 1 through 11. He talks about what the gospel is and what the gospel does. But when he gets to Romans chapter 12, he starts off with, Now I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies that were stated in chapters 1 through 11 of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable or spiritual worship. He says, to not be conformed to this world, but we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. What Paul spoke about in Romans 1 through 11 is something that's supposed to impact us as believers. It is not something for us to read, to have that mental assertion. This is what God says, and this is what God reveals, and this is what God has done. But Paul says that this knowledge that we have should renew our minds, that by this testing we may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What God expects what God desires. This is the, now the practice of the theory. 
These verses speak to that presentation that is us being holy and acceptable. And it's, this is, there's an example in verses 9 through 21, and it's not a life. It is an example of a life that is not conformed to this world, but a life that is transformed and demonstrates God's will that is good, acceptable, and perfect. This passage in Romans talks to being a true Christian, being Christ-like as demonstrated in our relationships. Let's follow it. He says in Romans chapter 12, verse 9, Our love as believers, our love should be genuine. Again, I just want to remind you now, this is not the way the world thinks. This is not how the world expects us as believers to look like, to act like, to be like. This is what happens when we as God's children take in the knowledge of who God is and what he has done, and it transforms, it metamorphosizes the way we respond. Our love is to be genuine. We are to abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. He says our love must be real. It must be sincere. It must be without Hypocrisy. First John 3.18 says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. We must not be as believers in love pretenders, fakers. We should be genuine. We should be real. And this reality is demonstrated in action. It's not just about saying, I love you, or I care about you, or I'm concerned about you. If we are genuine believers, followers of Christ, persons who's, who's, who have been transformed by our minds being renewed, then we are to love indeed. We must not just talk it. An example of that love is to hate what is evil, to detest, it says, when this word is defined, detest with horror what is evil, and to cling, to join fast, to glue ourselves to what is good. Now, when it speaks to relationships, it means that we as believers, when it comes to, the, to what is evil, the gossip and the slander, that we are to abhor it. In our relationships, we should not enjoy, be a part of what is evil. We should cling to the examples, the goodness and the kindness, the things that are good. We should do that in our relationships. In other words, when you hear your brother, someone comes to speak to you negatively about your brother or sister, that should be something that you should detest, abhor. When you hear someone come to you, say, let me tell you something good about this sister, and let me share with you how, how blessed I was, that's something we should be clinging to, something we should be glued to, something we should be drawn to. And it, this is how we should demonstrate ourselves in our relationships. He continues on. He says in verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. The word used here is that of family affection. We are to love one another like we love members of our own family because we are members of one another. We are members of God's family. We talk about us being members of the incredible body, the incredible family of God gathered here at Calvary Bible Church. This love as scripture says, says, actually should be our trademark. John 13, 35 says, By this all people will know 
that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. That love that the world is seeking for, that love that the world is looking for, should be first and foremost demonstrated right here in the body of Christ. That is when we, our minds are renewed. That is when that is demonstrated. When that love is shown to one another. That brotherly love, that love that is similar to a parent's love. They were to show that love at all times. It says, let love one another with that brotherly affection. But he continues to outdo one another in showing honor. They were to try to take the lead in showing honor to one another. In all our relationships, in all our relations to all, we should show the respect that is due. Children to parents, parents to children, workers to bosses, church members to leaders, leaders to church members. And this is so different from the conformity of the world where the person, where we tend to place emphasis on ourselves. We want people to puff us up, to make us feel good. We want to draw attention to ourselves. But the text says we are to do what? Outdo one another in showing honor. Imagine that. Imagine if Calvary's members, us in this family here, were, were striving. I was striving to outdo Anton in showing love and honor. Imagine if he was trying to outdo me. I was trying to outdo the Arnett's. Imagine if we were fighting to show love, to show respect, to show honor to one another. Imagine what Calvary would look like if we were actually trying to be first and foremost, not in getting attention, but in giving that attention, in giving that honor. See, you heard my brother Randy this morning. You heard the word he shared this morning. Wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that amazing? Not, boy, you know what he mentioned me? Why not what are you talking about me? But we're pushing the brother or the sister. Did you hear how they sang? Did you see how they led praise and worship? Did you see the example of how they came over and they just showed that love? Imagine if we did that. What would Calvary Bible Church look like? If we outdid one another in showing honor, the emphasis on the other. Then he continues. He says, don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. In whatever you do, we are not to be lazy. It says to be hot when it comes to serving the Lord. Passionate about it. On whatever you do it to God, it's a service to God. We should do our best as unto the Lord. Again, imagine in this family, imagine if we did our work with fervent spirit, hated about our, our work, passionate about the things we do for God, to God. Imagine what we would look like. Imagine what this world would look like. Imagine when they come on the job and your boss uh, on the government job says, something wrong with that fellow man. He's coming to work on time. I mean, staying back. He's working hard. I mean, he's giving me quality work, exceptional work. He's doing it as he's doing it under the Lord. There's something different 
about that individual. Don't be slothful in zeal, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, the mark of the Christ-like believer. Rejoicing in hope, being patient in tribulation, being constant in prayer. Now this is an encouragement. Rejoicing in hope. We rejoice that unlike others, we have a hope. When you look at the world, when you look at what's happening in the world today, you get the impression that people are living as if they have no hope. There's nothing to look forward to. There's no expectation beyond the grave. And so since this is all they have, then they live it up because there is nothing else. And so whatever my heart's desire is, whatever my passions and my lusts give, give themselves over to, that is what I indulge in. Because they have nothing else to look forward to. But because we have something to look forward to, we can rejoice in hope. And as we rejoice in hope, we can be patient, enduring, persevering, and remaining under tribulation. We can also be devoted, persistent, intently engaged in, and attended constantly to prayer. When I look at that, I said, imagine that progression. Because you have this hope, you can persevere under tribulation, and you can be constant and consistent in prayer. Because you have a hope, I can pray for you, because I know there is more than this. There's something else we're looking forward to. I can bear up under tribulation because I know there's more than this. I have a hope. We can rejoice in this hope. As we continue with our relationships, we must contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality, sharing in the needs of our brothers and sisters and pursuing the love of strangers. It says readily and cheerfully entertaining strangers. If they have a need, if a brother or sister in Calvary Bible Church has a need, I have a need. Your need is my need. That's how you have to look at it. Not just share. We look at that text and say, sharing in the needs. Not just sharing and giving, but sharing, partaking. When I looked at, looked at this passage, it said, when you look at the early church, they had all things in common. What I had was yours. What you had was mine. So if you had a need, I had the means to provide for that need. We shared with one another. We shared with one another. We contributed to the needs and we seek to show hospitality. We were readily, cheerfully willing to open up our homes. How much of us are willing to open up our homes? But not just willing but cheerfully and ready to entertain strangers. Someone comes with a need. Imagine someone walks into Calvary Bible Church this evening and says, I have no place to stay. I have nothing to eat. As we talk about in James, James says, you know, you tell that person, you know what? 
I can pray for you. <laughs> All the best. You know, you take care. God bless you. Go in peace. Showing hospitality. We need to open up our homes to share, to give, to show that hospitality. He also says, we have to be prepared to bless those who persecute you and bless and do not curse. And I got to be honest with you, this was a hard one. Paul is restating Jesus' teaching in Matthew 5, 44. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Someone elaborates on it like this. It means to speak well to our persecutors. We do not react against them by cursing, speaking harshly, or striking out at them. We do not try to hurt them either verbally or physically. Now bear in mind this is your enemy, someone who is persecuting you, someone who is on your job trying to hurt you. The Bible says don't speak harshly. We don't try to hurt them. On the contrary, we speak to, to we seek to find something that is commendable about them and we commend them for it. It means to speak well about our persecutors. When speaking to others, we do not down the persecutor, but we mention some commendable trait. We praise some good thing about the person. We do not tear him down. It means to pray for our persecutors. We must do what Jesus said and did. And it means to do good to our persecutors. Bless them. Bless them. It means to show favor. But again, this is different from the world. Our world says if someone tries to hurt you, you got to get back. you, You can't let people get away with that now. Come on now. As a child of the king, and nobody treats a child of the king like that. Daddy gave me strength. I can deal with them. But that's not what the text says. Bless them. Speak kindly to them. Bless them who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. So now when I go back to BEC and I see Mr. Miller Mr. Miller tell me, see, you already want the money? So my Bible tells me that I am to to bless him. I can do all things. Amen. But we can do this, you know. We can't. God doesn't ask us to do anything that he has not given us the power to execute. I don't think Paul would have written this and said, well, you know, no. When he said all the things he did in chapter 1 through 11, that was him telling us that we had what was necessary to execute what he was going to share in chapters 12 and onward. This is who you are. This is what you have in Christ. 
This is what the gospel provides you as a believer. And with all of that, do this. This is what you can do. It says we are to rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. We are one. We are to act as one. If something good happens to our fellow believer, we are to rejoice with them. Not to be jealous, not to begrudge them. And when they hurt, we are to feel their pain. That's good for him. Deserve that. Now is that an attitude we should have as believers? Toward one another? I see my brother drive into the church in that brand new car. Wow! I wonder how he get that. I wonder what he do. I wonder what, 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 what skullduggery he was up to. Rather than saying, you know what? Boy, that's a nice guy. Boy, God bless him, eh? That's a divorce. First thing runs across him, I wonder how he got that. And then when someone gets hurt or something happens to someone, I wonder what he do. Bless them. Rejoice. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Boy, you saw my car, boy, you're looking good, boy. I mean, you're driving smooth. Yeah, man, I mean, the Lord is good. Amen, brother. Praise God. And when others are feeling their pain, we need to feel that pain as well. Weep with those who weep. We are a family. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. It says we just think the same thing about one another. Don't think of yourself as any better than anybody else. We have to be humble. And according to Romans 12, 3, it says, For the, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with a sober judgment, each according to the measure of the faith that God has assigned. One of the old translations says, And what you think concerning yourselves, the same also think concerning your brethren. Neither think with an elevated or ambitious mind, but accommodate yourselves to those who are of humbler conditions. Reach out. Do you know who I am? I don't associate with. Do not think of yourself more highly than you want to think. All that you have and all that you are is by God's grace. You have done nothing to get it. You're doing nothing to keep it. It is God's. And so we can't believe, we, I, how can I believe that I'm better than you because of the gift or the blessing that God has given me? It has come from God. And He is the one to get the glory. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Don't pay back. Don't give them back what they gave to you. Do the right thing before everyone. Take from me? I could take from you. I'm going to do it now, but I could wait. Sooner or later, you could drop your guard. And I can get you. You made me look bad? I can make you look bad. 
And you know how we do it sometimes? I remember reading, looking at something the other day, you know what? It's even as simple as this. Remember the movie, what's the movie we just watched? Mercy Rule. Remember what the coach said to the young man before he would let him pitch? Or when he pulled him off the field? He said, you threw the ball at home plate, knowing the catcher wasn't there. Sometimes we do things to make others look bad. Oh, I, I didn't know, you know, yes you knew. Yes, you knew exactly what was going on. You did it intentionally. You did it to make him look bad. You said something or you did something knowing that the brother dropped the ball, but you did it anyway because you wanted people to recognize that this, she dropped the ball. And I picked it up. Hey, good me. That's what we do. But we do it subtly. Subtly, you know. But it's a good job you did, you know. Boy, you caught that, eh? Boy, look, look how she messed up with that. But anyhow, I'm glad you got it. Be subtle, you know. See, I can speak from experience. We are subtle. We. And we need to be careful. We need to be careful. That we check our motives when we do things. Are we doing, showing genuine love? without hypocrisy. Live in harmony. Don't be haughty. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. And if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now some people, it's hard. And sometimes it may be out of your power. But the text says, if it's possible, and as far as it depends on you, why got to be me, Lord? Yes, it's you. As far as it depends on you, live peaceably. He throw that garbage over my wall, I got throw that back over his wall. Now, I could carry it out to the garbage den, or I could throw it back over the wall and start with war with this neighbor. But as much as life in you, you are to make the effort to live peaceably, with all, everybody, peaceably. Once it is in your power, and this again reiterates, no evil for evil, no eye for eye, and tooth for tooth. It continues, beloved, never avenge yourself. Believe it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. You know what, Lord? Let me help you. Let me help you. Because evidently, you don't understand what's going on with me and this fellow. You're taking too long, he's not getting the message, and he needs to get the message. So let me help you with this vengeance. Because see, Lord, I got an idea. I think I know the best way to deal with this situation for him to get the message. Let me help you, God. Because we really help him. Now be honest now. That's the attitude we have. When it comes to revenge, we're, good. we're doing it because we really want to help. Hallelujah, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Vengeance, beloved, never, 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 no circumstance, no situation, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God for it is written, vengeance is mine, that is not yours. The Lord says, vengeance is my sole right, my sole privilege, my sole authority, that is mine. Vengeance is mine, not yours. He says, I will repay. No, you won't, Lord, you're taking too long. So you, you believe I lying when I tell you I can repay? Yeah, but Lord, it's been 10 years and I don't see it yet. It is not our responsibility to get back, but to leave it in God's hands. Either God will do it now in this life, he may use the authorities, may he use other circumstances, or he may just wait to the final judgment. It's up to God to make that decision. It is not yours. I like... This statement, I don't know if it's someone, I came up by myself, but guess what? Nobody could do God better than God. Think about that. Nobody could do God better than God. You do you. Do you. Don't do God. When you do God, have you gone too far? Have you not gone far enough? You don't know. Have I applied enough? Have I done too little? God knows when enough is enough. And God knows when it's too little. God knows how hard to push or how soft to push. God knows how to apply the button of vengeance. You don't. You and I don't. We don't do God well. Let God do God. Step back. Father, this is what's happened. I give this to you. You handle that. You say, I got this. And trust me, daddy got it. You could count on that. Our father, the head of our family, he got us, you know. You believe that? You believe he got you? Then let him do what he does best. Be who he is. God. And he says, leave that to me. It's mine. I will repay He said to the contrary, say, my goodness, he said, unlike the world, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, oh my goodness, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Now come on, now you know. We ain't gonna do that now. Let's be honest. For so, by so doing, I, I, who said that? I said, I'll show you now. Feed him, yeah, I feed him all right. Feed him, hey, get tough some of this. Have a lot of this, man, a lot of tough. Oh boy, but would you put in that? Give him something to drink? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Trip, trip. Have a drink. But the scripture says, unlike the world, we to care for our enemy. If he has a need, the Bible says we are to be prepared to supply that need. But why? Why would you want to do that? You think maybe God has a bigger plan than just getting revenge for you? You think maybe God can use you doing that for something even more? It says, you can heap coals of fire on his head. They said, when you do that, 
You, when you care for your enemy, you bring shame to him. Now imagine that. My brother here treats me terribly. And he knows exactly what he's done or is doing. On the job. Undercutting me, undermining me, going behind my back, chopping me down. But yet, he knows also that I know. And lunchtime, hey bro, what's happening? Boy, I don't see your wife giving up me. Boy, listen, let's stay. Come with me, let's head to Wendy's, man. I got you. What? What? what, what? See, we, we ain't going by his house because you know we can put something in the food. You don't say that. <laughs> so we're going by Wendy's. Wendy's, they're making the food for us. But why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this for me? He, he's scratching his head, he's he, 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 he aggravating him, it's it bothering him, and the Spirit of God is using it. Working on him. Working on him. Love? Is, is that what he said in verse 9? Love without hypocrisy? Cling to what is good? Doing good to this brother. He's being, I mean, it is itching him at his core. But God is using that as God is saying, look, look at the love. What this fella got, man? You know what I'm doing for him. You know what I'm doing to him. Why is he doing this to me? Why is he showing me this love? You think God may have something bigger. He turns an enemy into a friend. Next thing you know, this is the same fellow and the boss trying to fire you. No, 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 man, you, you, he's a good man. This fellow going to bat for me? Yeah, because you didn't return evil for evil. And he says there's something different about this fellow. I may not like him, but he's a good man. And the very person who was trying to hurt you may be used to help you. But even better, what if God uses the love that you show as a means to bring that sinner into our family? Isn't that better than just getting revenge? I remember we had a discussion about that before. A statement was made. What if you had an opportunity to witness to Hitler? What if you had an opportunity to witness to some of the serial killers that we've heard about? The individuals who have been the, the rapists and the murderers we hear about in our country. Imagine if the very individuals that are causing and involved in these crimes today, you had an opportunity to show love to them. What if the gentleman who was shot in Blair, the killer approached you and you had an opportunity to show Christ's love? What if they had broken into your house and killed your husband or killed your wife? or raped your daughter, or beaten your son. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Give him something to eat. 
But he says in verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't let evil get the best of you. Scripture says in the last days, it's because of the evil, the love of many will wax cold. It's good for them. Deserve that. You realize that that young man dies in his condition. He's on his way to a Christless eternity. Is that what you would really wish on your enemy? Is that the attitude that a Christ-like individual with a renewed mind, knowing what God has done for you, and as they say, but for the grace of God, there go I. That could have been you. Someone reached out, someone shared the gospel, someone, someone showed Christ's love, and as a result, they did not show evil. They demonstrated good. That is true Christianity. In spite of, the world says, yes, they deserve that. Yes, that's fair. That, that's exactly what needs to happen. But the Bible says as believers, as true members of the body of Christ, we are to overcome evil with good. I encourage you this week, Read through this passage again and again. And let these words speak to our hearts. And ask ourselves, in all honesty, are we being genuine, true believers in our attitude, in our relations to one another? By this, they will know we are his disciples. If we have love, one for another. For his name's sake. Amen. Amen.